one of the things I miss the most is usually when I get up here, place is packed. I say, good morning, Rock Bible Church. And the place goes, ah, good morning, whatever. I miss people wandering down the aisles, saying hi. We're trying to bring everybody back together, and they're socializing and eating donuts and the whole thing. And I don't know. How about we do that next Sunday? What do you think? That works for me. So uh, we're going to give out more details on that, and, and hopefully you can be here, and uh, we're, we're just excited about it. So, um, so, many, so many great things in the life of the church, and especially watching that video with Sergio and listen to Brent's announcement about us getting to open up and um, so much going on. Just, uh, just amazing. Um, hey, let's get started, huh? I remember. Where I was, I remember the house, the address. I remember the room I was in. I remember where I was sitting, the couch, the fireplace. I remember that day. Mom and dad sat down. Guy and David and myself. We're not going to be married anymore. Divorce been a part of my family almost as long as I can remember. So I have some opinions. <laughs> I have some ideas, some life experiences. I remember years later, <clears throat> flying up to my little brother's house. He was living just outside of Detroit. We had a great time. Everybody went to sleep, and he and I stayed up late. And we're sitting in his living room, super dark, nice and quiet having a discussion. I remember him telling me he doesn't even ever remember my parents being married or living in the same house. And I remember the look of nonchalant, no big deal, that's just the way I grew up. I just, I don't, doesn't even know what he missed out on because he doesn't remember living up through fifth grade or so with your parents married. And then sitting on that couch in that living room by that fireplace with your brothers and having to hear that. Uh, divorce is real. Hey, there's your first fill-in. Uh, divorce hurts. Divorce is regular. 
And yet here's what I know. Here I am. I'm still here. I made it through. Mom's still alive. Dad's still alive. The brothers are alive. We're all here. This thing that I thought was going to end everything, it was going to be the tragedy of all tragedies. I thought it was going to be different than everybody else. How are we going to survive all that kind of stuff? I thought it was going to be this mountainous obstacle we could never pass. And in some ways, it became just a, a blip in the road. In some ways, it was me driving down the road, and you hear, you hear the tiny little bump, and you go, ding, just keep going. And then there's other times where it really did feel like that. Splitting holidays, splitting assets, there's so much to it. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Uh, this morning we're going to talk about divorce. The doctrine of divorce. Wait, there's a doctrine? Yes, God has something to say about divorce. He has a lot to say about divorce. We're going to cover some of it today. Uh, and here's, here's the weird part for me. I've, I've never taught on divorce. Not as the topic of the day. I've addressed it here and there in sermons when it comes up in the passage. But never have we done a, a sermon that is just about divorce. And it's about time. But the weirdest thing is I, I have felt like I'm more prepared to talk about this than most topics because of my experience. Half my family's divorced, right? Half my favorite people are divorced. <laughs> and yet... All week, getting prepped, everything's fine. Then I come up here, Bryce starts singing, Heidi, Jan, and I start thinking about, oh, I'm going to get up, I'm about to start talking about divorce. And I'm falling apart in the front row. It's the weirdest thing. Uh, so I want to pray, I want to get started, and we're going to jump in. Uh, and we're going to have fun. We're all getting divorced today. Okay, let's pray. Lord, thank you uh, that there is hope, that there's always hope. Thank you that the hope that we can have, that we do have, that some of us long for, is the kind we sang about. The kind of hope that comes all the way. Thank you, Lord, for what you have taught about divorce. Thank you what your son has said about divorce, what Paul wrote about divorce, what prophets like Malachi have said about divorce, so that we know your heart, Lord. And, and may we be clear that divorce is just one of the players in the picture. It is only one of the colors in the spectrum. It is not the defining piece. Never shall be, never meant to be. And we're so grateful. And may we be ever clearer that you are the defining factor. And you are the whole picture. 
Pray for that, Lord, because otherwise uh, divorce could become de debilitating and, and take over. It could uh, crush, kill, maim, destroy, and it need not be that way. So pray, Lord, uh, you would help us this morning. Uh, show us a way through. Amen? Amen. Amen. Woo! All right, let's breathe. Uh, Matthew chapter 19. Uh, we're getting almost, we're about uh, maybe two-thirds of the way through the book of Matthew. Um, and Jesus is speaking here. It, there's 12 verses. We're going to do verses 1 through 12. Um, and then we're going to, we are going to look at something uh, some stuff that Paul wrote in uh, in Corinthians, and then we are going to look at Malachi as well. We're going to hit some of the hot topic verses, the ones that everybody's heard, but I want to make sure we get them in context and we get the bigger picture here. Um, because part of the picture gets you in big trouble. It's, it's, it's the same thing as anything else. You You just get part of God's picture for something, you're gonna you're gonna twist off into the wrong area and get yourself in trouble. So um, this is a little interaction Jesus has, and and before we start, I, I just want to preface: you're you're gonna see the Pharisees, the knuckleheads, uh, who who show up and they're they're picking a fight. They're trying to find ways to discredit Jesus, elevate themselves, gain back power. They really don't like this new thing that's going on in their faith and religion that's drawing attention away from them. They hate the idea that there's a better teacher than them, that there's someone who understands it better and can explain it. And not just that, here's, here's the real bad, that, that could actually live it, live it out in such a way that no one, no one could duplicate and no one can understand they're watching Jesus do things. They just, we've got to find a way. They, they want him dead. And, and here's the thing. He was so effective, so efficient, so spot on that 2,000 some plus years later, he has absolutely changed the world. Because our hope came all the way because he was human, walked among us, tempted in every way, uh, miracles, teaching, the whole thing. Then he did the cross. And everybody since then has been reeling, trying to catch up. This is the guy that they decided to pick a fight with. And they're trying to find something that they can get him on. Um, they stumble into, let's, let's tackle divorce. Let's, let's challenge marriage. Let's see what the guy knows. Right? This is the attitude of them when they walk up to Jesus. This is Matthew chapter 19, verses 1 through 12. Let's go ahead and jump in. Uh, now, when Jesus had finished these sayings, he went away from Galilee. That's the lake, big lake, uh, they call it Sea of Galilee. It's, it's uh, Lake Tahoe size, right? Uh, and entered the region of Judea beyond the Jordan. And large crowds followed him, and he healed them there. There's a great little phrase there. Um, why do we need to know this? Why do we need to know that he was traveling? Why do we know, need to know where he was and where he went? We need to know that because he was active. 
because he was going to more than one place. He was doing more than one thing. And where he went, what was his agenda? Third word from the end, verse 2. Fourth line, second word from the end in the fourth line. Can we get it? Starts with eel and ends with ed. What was his agenda? Healing. Very interesting agenda. Now, I want you to compare and contrast that to the agenda that's about to be presented. I mean, this is kind of great writing. It's subtle writing on Matthew's part to say, hey, look at the difference between these two. Which path are you on? All right? So he's in the business of going wherever he can to heal people. And the Pharisees came up to him and tested him. Verse 3, is it lawful to divorce one's wife for any cause? Hey, uh, what can I get away with? Can we just be done? When can I? Isn't it the wrong question? It's absolutely the wrong question. And it's the perfect question for today because it's the question everybody's asking. In fact, uh, recently, not most recent, I don't know what most recent stats are, but not too long ago, more than half of people were divorced. Why are we asking our, how to get out rather than asking how to stay in? That's the agenda. What's their agenda? Is it healing people? No. I want to know how I can legally do what I want to do so that I can have what I want to have because I'm the most important. What a horrid question. Horrid question. He answered. <laughs> I love this. I like a snarky Jesus. Right? I like to picture my Jesus snarky. <laughs> right? He has, have, have you not read? <laughs> have you not read? Just a little commercial here. Rock Bible Church. Christ Center, biblically based, biblically. Ba have you not read biblically based? Where do we, what do we base our stuff on? God. Where do we get most of our quality God stuff? The Bible. There was a purpose for us. It's for us to read it more than just when I read it to you or explain it to you or teach to you. What are you reading on your own out of Scripture? Okay, because I, I, I would hate for him to ask you. Hey, have you not read? Right? Have you not read that he who created them from the beginning made them male and female and said, therefore a man shall leave his father and mother, hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. What therefore God has joined together, let not man separate. Unless you have an argument over the finances and then just uh, get divorced. Is that what it says? No. What, what a great set of phrases there. When we're talking about agenda. What's our agenda? Stay together. What's our agenda? Be one, not two. Now, does that mean that you're supposed to lose your identity? I think one of the worst things the feminist movement has done for us is they say, oh, no, that's, that's sexist. You're gonna, the woman loses her identity if the two become one. No, that's not the point of it at all. The point is, do you have separate identities? Yes. But do you view yourselves as one, 
as a unit, as whole. Absolutely. Why? So that dividing is so much more difficult. It's a change in mentality. It's a change in inner dialogue. It's a change in agenda. They said to him, verse 7, Well, why then did Moses command one to give a certificate of divorce and to send her away? Oh yeah, Jesus? Well, Moses said that we were allowed to give a little certificate. Great. It's not worth the ink that it's printed on. With. He said to them, Because of your hardness of heart, Moses allowed you to divorce your wives. What a great phrase. Not told you to. Not gave permission. He just, he just allowed you. Why? Because you were off on, on the wrong foot anyways. But from the beginning, it was not so. This was not the agenda. That wasn't the design. And I say to you, whoever divorces his wife except for sexual immorality and marries another commits adultery. He says, well, you shouldn't be divorcing your wife. You shouldn't be leaving. You shouldn't be looking for other people to be intimate with you should be looking to be committed to be one rather than two disciples said to him if such is the case of a man and his wife it's better not to marry we talked about this a few few weeks back when we were doing our series on marriage well you know if there's so many ways for it to go wrong and so we just throw it a whole thing out let's just throw out marriage and just not do it at all which is i love what uh, Jesus says to him here. Ready? Verse 11. But he said to them, not everyone can receive this saying. Not everybody can receive what he's just said about marriage. You believe that? Absolutely. Over 50% of people on the planet, regardless of religion or country, can't accept that. But only those to whom it is given. For there are eunuchs who have been, ma- uh, been so from birth, and there are eunuchs who have been made eunuchs by men, and there are eunuchs who have made themselves eunuchs for the sake of the kingdom of heaven. Let the one who is able to receive this, receive it. That's kind of weird. Can we get divorced? Well, haven't you read that You know, from the beginning that wasn't the plan? Oh yeah? Well, Moses said we could. Yeah, he said you could, but... That's not the design. And I know this is difficult. And, and then, you know, like the comparison is he gives three scenarios where men are missing body parts. Like, that's pretty extreme. It's kind of weird to, to separate Get this idea of separation of a man and a woman. And then he goes into, well, well, the only scenario where you don't need to marry is if you're separated the body from a part. It's, it's drastic, but it's kind of interesting that he's saying, guys, you're, you're like way off here. Hey, may the Lord bless the reading of his word. Amen? Twelve verses. Where do we go from here? We go several places. Let's fly through this because we had a wonderful video this morning. We had some great announcements. Um, but I got five little things I want to make sure we cover uh, and get through it, right? Uh, number one is this. Uh, when it comes to divorce, uh, don't be a law student. Just don't be a law student. Hey, what does the law say? When, can, I, can I divorce for any cause or a cause? or When can I get out? 
You know, Jesus' point is like, don't ask that question. Don't ever ask that question. Verses 3 and 8, right? Is it lawful to divorce one's wife for any cause? You know, he doesn't really answer the question. Do you figure that out? Jesus doesn't answer the question. He kind of says, well, you know, if there's sexual immorality, then, you know, then you're justified, blah, blah, blah. But you know that, you notice that Jesus, in his agenda, he, he spends almost no time trying to answer the question. He spends almost all of his time trying to reposition the asker. Trying to get the Pharisees back onto the right page. They're not even in the right book. Have you not read? Right? They're not on, just on the wrong page. They're in the wrong book. See, they're trying to write their own new book of how they live life. They literally actually were writing, they and the scribes, and the, they were making up other rules, extra things that were not in Scripture and making culture live to those things. And we're never meant to do that. Okay? Now, here's what we got to say about this. If that was Jesus' agenda, should we as church, should we as Christians, should we as Christ followers, Jesus' people, should we be writing agenda for other people? Should we be keeping scores, writing new laws, new rules, judging people based on something that's not in his book? It's, it's interesting to me that he basically says, look, you're asking the wrong question. You, you want to know about the law. I want you to know about love. You want to know about how you can get out. And Jesus wants us to know about covenant. In fact, Paul tells us about covenant. 1 Corinthians chapter 7. Uh, we're just going to fly through this real quick. Um, but Paul's going through a list of things that he's, he's saying to different people and, and hitting different topics. This is where in chapter 7 he, he hits to the married people, right? But watch what he says and how he addresses divorce a little bit, right? To the married I give this charge, not I, but the Lord. The wife should not separate from her husband. Is that clear? Is that like basic enough English? Like wife, well, don't just leave your husband, right? But if she does, she should remain unmarried and else be reconciled to her husband. And husbands should not divorce his wife, right? I mean, is that simple enough? Like we just, you shouldn't leave your, husband, um, your wife, you shouldn't leave your husband. Does it, does it say about what scenario? Does it talk about, well, what about in cases of abuse? Or what about in cases of this? or what? No, that's not what he's talking about. In general, don't look to leave. Find a way to stay. That's the agenda. See, they're asking the wrong questions. And in that culture, in Corinthians, they were kind of like, hey, life's free. We can do whatever we want. I'm, I'm the master and commander of my own self. And I should be able to make the rules for myself. And what's good for me is good for me. But you, what's good for you is good for you. And we'll all just do whatever we want. Yes. And I, I keep pushing this. And I, I hope you guys get it. And, and I don't sound like the snarky old guy who's read too much. But folks, there, there's a whole book of the Bible where where Israel had no king and every man did what was right in his own eyes. It's called judges. It's horrid. People's bodies get cut up and distributed to different countries. It's like sickening, sickening stories. And it's meant to paint us a horror film picture of what it looks like when you just go do whatever you want so that we won't just go and do 
whatever we want. Right? It's so simple sometimes. I guess for me, when I read the Bible, this is, like, this is, this is pretty clear. You should not separate. Like, don't do that. If you, if you have any choice, as far as it depends on you, don't do it. Right? To the rest I say, I, not the Lord, that if a brother has a wife who is an unbeliever and she consents to live with him, he should not divorce her. If a woman has a husband who is an unbeliever, he consents to live with her, she should not divorce him. For the unbelieving husband is made holy because of his wife. Unbelieving wife is made holy because of her husband. Otherwise, your children be unclean, but as it is, they are holy. But if the unbeliever, right, what, what goes on there? Paul says there's another agenda going on here more important than whether you're married or not. There's a faith piece to this. There's, there's a pursuit of the Lord that you, you actually help your partner. Whether they believe or not, you are a blessing. You have a role that God has designed for you to build, uh, be enmeshed in and, and help and bless whether you get along on the family decisions or not. Or agree on how the money should be spent. Or whatever it is. Is there more, a more important agenda with God than your own? But Paul says absolutely. He says it's going to affect your kids. Verse 15. But if the unbelieving partner separates, let it be so. Unbelieving partner leaves... Right? Well, does that, that mean that only, only people that are married as Christians to people that are not Christians are the only ones that have the, the legal grounds for divorce biblically? I could just say they're, they're not believers. No. You know, I, I think I would say, I, here's my argument, at, at the point that you decide to leave, there's a piece of you that's unbelieving in that decision. Does that mean you're a total unbeliever? No. But you doubt whether the hope comes all the way. You doubt whether he is the provider and he will provide. You know you're saying that this morning too. There's a moment of unbelief when you say, yeah, and no, I think I just, we're just going to cut the cord. We're, we're out. I'm leaving. Here's your keys back. Now there's a piece of unbelief in there. But at some point, the people make decisions and they go. When they go, let it be so, right? In such cases, brother or sister... Uh, is not enslaved. You, you're not enslaved anymore. Which means you were enslaved when you were married. Insert marriage joke here, right? Marriage is slavery? What? Yeah, absolutely. And probably your marriage would be much better at your desire for your long-term future, your commitment, your work ethic. All of it would be better if you decided that you were a slave to your spouse and your spouse decided that they were a slave to you. Now it's a whole different going anywhere. We, we're just going to have to work this mess out. <laughs> right? Well, I'm not leaving. Well, you're not leaving. Well, all right, sit down. Let's talk about this. Right, let's work it out. It's kind of interesting that he used the word enslave there, isn't it? God has called you to what? Peace. This is a point where uh, like next Sunday when you're all here, I stop in the middle of a sentence and force you to say it and the whole place goes, peace! And we feel the joy of fellowship. 
Boy, I can't wait for that to come back. Uh, For how do you know, wife, whether you will save your husband? Or how do you know, husband, whether you will save your wife? Two great things come out of that. Whether your spouse is saved and their relationship with the Lord is so much more important than your freaking marital status. And you're not responsible for it. You can't save anyone. Amen? Oh, we've got to rewrite our job descriptions. I do not have to save no one. That's so great. So what is the agenda of marriage? Stay together, right? Don't be a law student. Number two, do the work of staying together as one. Do the work of staying together as one. He just called it slavery. It takes work. You know the worst part of divorce? For me, worst part of divorce. It's the easy way out. Oh, divorce is so bad, so horrible, we hate it. It's a bad experience. I wish I never got divorced. Blah, 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 blah. Yeah, guess what? You know what was more work? Staying married. Waking up and choosing to smile. Huh? How about that one? How about you just wake up and choose to smile at her? Kiss her on the forehead. Go get her a cup of coffee. I don't know. What what have you decided every day, I'm going to find ways to work at this? That will change your whole life. Number three, hate divorce more than your spouse. That's... I think that one's kind of simple. Gosh, gosh, Scott, you're getting so snarky. No, no, I am quoting Scripture. Ready? Hate divorce more than you uh, than your spouse. Right? Uh, Malachi two, fifteen through seventeen. Now, folks, we're going to do something here. I'm going to mess with you. I know pretty much ninety nine percent of the time we do English Standard Version of the Bible, and you guys probably think that I'm addicted to it and the whole thing. And that's all I ever read. That I listen to it in my car everywhere I go, and it's posted all over my house. Uh, no. I was born of the New American Standard Bible, right? Sorry, I, I just, I'm having fun this morning. Um, because when we talk about divorce, this can be Happy Sunday, right? New American Standard was the translation that I grew up in. Uh, New American Standard is actually for the law student. If you want to be the jerky person and do not be a law student, right, you would want the New American Standard version because it's the most literal translation word for word. It's very difficult to read. Why? Because it tries to maintain uh, Greek and Hebrew word order as much as possible and be as exact as possible. And some things don't translate really well, right? And then they translate it in their order and it reads funky for us. But New American Standard does something with Malachi chapter 2 that we don't see other places and we don't see in the uh, English Standard Version in how they've decided to translate it, which is why I want us to see the NASB this morning of this verse. You ready? But no one has done so who has a remnant of the Spirit. No one has done so. If they have a piece of the Spirit. Like anybody who's got a little bit of the piece of the Spirit, they haven't done this thing that he was talking about. We're not going to get into that right now. But if you, had, if you had a little bit of God, you'd be on a different page. Wow, does that seem thematic for the morning? It should. And what, what did that one do while he was seeking a godly offspring? Take heed then to your spirit 
And let no one deal treacherously against the wife of your youth. He, Malachi is saying, like, this, and this is really God speaking through Malachi. So really it's God saying, like, you want to stay on the right track? Like, tune in to the Spirit. Like, the, the Spirit is going to push, nudge, maybe flick you in the ear. That's how he deals with me, right? Uh, can, can I lure you over here? Right? And, and you have to actually look for that, develop an appetite for that. You need to pause from what else you're distracted with to notice, could God be drawing me over? Oh, yeah, over here. I guess I should go here because the scripture's right there. Right? Is he drawing me over here? Right? We've got to be looking for that. Why? Because you could deal treacherously against the wife of your youth. God has known that that's a thing from the very beginning. It's easy for us to get on the wrong track. For I hate divorce. Verse 16. For I hate divorce, says the Lord, the God of Israel. How's God feel about divorce? He hates it. Does it say I hate divorcees? Folks, you got to read it clearly. Because one of my biggest angers with the church and church people is that they need to be reformed as to how they look at divorced people. The Bible never says a negative thing about divorced people. It says God hates divorce. But you know, in other places, like Paul will make lists. Well, you know, the, the sexually immoral and drunkards and murderers and da, 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 like there's a whole bunch of places in the bible where they got these lists of all these bad things you know what never shows up on any of those lists divorce people how did they if they're so bad how did they miss out on all the bad lists or or god likes them loves them knows that more than half of us are them absolutely God loves divorced people, but he hates divorce. You know what? If we hated divorce as much as God does, or just enough that we hated it more than we dislike what's ever going on with your spouse or whatever you think you're missing out on or wherever your twisted head is going, then guess what? You'd be in so much better shape. It's a perspective change. It's an agenda change. Number four, let it be so. Let it be so. Fill in number four. Let it be so. What's that mean? Scott, what does it mean? You know what? If you're, if you're divorced, let it be. Let it be so. Where, where, are you, where, are you, where are you getting that, Scott? What's going on? Well, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 15, right? He says, if, if the partner leaves, if the partner leaves, let it be so. When somebody walks away, it's real dangerous to chase them. At some point, people say it's over, and they mean it. And when they leave, and it's over for you, you've got to call it over. Are you ruined for life? No. Are you banned for marriage in the future? No. When the other person leaves, what does Paul say? Let it be so. You're not enslaved anymore not bound by that they've made their decision they've moved on in fact the bible says so far it depends on you be at peace with all men 
there's a part that doesn't depend on you. And when the part that doesn't depend on you makes a decision that they're not being with you anymore, move on. With grace and blessing, should I do this thing? Like, go and, and in, in the path of God, tuned in a little to His Spirit, or a lot to His Spirit, tuned in to the little voice of the Spirit is how I meant that, um, and, and see what God has for you next. Does God cause all things to work together for the good of those who are called according to His purposes? Do you believe that He's a provider and He will provide? That His hope comes all the way? These are, like, the Christian stuff, folks, only matters when the stuff hits the fan. The Christian stuff only matters when you have to make a decision, when things are difficult. When life is easy and you just get, like, Oreo cheesecake for dessert, there's, there's, you don't need any Christianity with that. Just, just eat the cheesecake. But when it's time to make a decision, when, it, when you're hurting, when something's going on, you got to tap in. You have to access, pray, get around others that do. It is the reason we need fellowship, and, and it is the reason why we have to meet together. Why? Because some people are going through things we have no idea about. And they'll come in here, and they'll sit, and they'll sing, and they'll listen, and they're broken, and they're hurting, and they're dying on the vine. And just to be in a room with godly people singing his songs is a moment of respite for hurting people. And if you're that person, this is your church. I'm not divorced, but I'm divorced, if you know what I mean. My whole family, it's, I'm, I'm going to start setting a play setting at all the family meals for divorce. It's pretty much part of our family now. If you're a divorced person, come to this church. We've got a new policy. All divorced people get hugs. That's the way it works. Okay? And let it be so. Move on. If you've got to move on, move on. And, and married people or Christian people who have this big, strong opinion about who's divorced or, can't, I don't know, they, they're divorced. Or did you see how they went through their divorce? Nobody, what? Nobody goes through divorce pretty. What I love about that Malachi verse, God, I hate divorce, says the Lord. Have you ever met a divorced person who loves it? Oh yeah, I got divorced. It was glorious. I want to do that again. In fact, my next spouse, before we get married, I'm not going to say, do you want to get married? I'm going to say, hey, you want to get divorced? I just want to get married so I can go through the divorce process. Here, was that enough snarkiness and sarcasm? Nobody likes divorce. So for those of you who are all freaked out that you may, may have been divorced and that God hates divorce, oh, that's this big heavy thing. No, come to the conclusion that you hate it too. And you'll be fine. Nobody likes it. Nobody enjoys it. Nobody's seeking it out. But does it happen? All the time. Why? We live in a sinful world. Do kindergartners steal boxes of crayons? Absolutely. Do third graders Lie to mom. Absolutely. Not that anybody in the near vicinity did either of those two things. I hope my mom's not watching. Um, but I want you to see uh, this little thing, this let it be so concept in Malachi uh, 2. And we're at, now we're going to go back to um, the ESV version of it, right? This is Malachi 2. Uh, remember, 
uh, verse 16. Remember, remember it said, I hate divorce, says the Lord? ESV translated it, okay? Where's the I hate divorce? Just says, for the man who does not love his wife but divorces her, says the Lord, the God of Israel, covers his garment with violence, says the Lord of hosts, so guard yourselves in your spirit and do not be faithless. Where's the I hate divorce? Oh, oh, the translators decided they needed to protect you from God's hate and from divorce because it's going to be such, such a big hairy thing that you can't handle that we're not even going to translate it in there. Ooh. That's why I recommend you have more than one translation. Or get one of those apps where you can, where you can read the Bible in any, as many translations are, as they are. We need to stop being afraid of what God hates and hate it too. And we've we got to stop having a stigma for divorce to where we start taking it out of our Scripture. You go, you find a Hebrew lexicon and you find that verse and you translate it over word for word. You know what it'll say? God hates divorce. But when it happens, let it be so. Move on. Don't make a big deal about it. And, and definitely, don't let it cripple you. Does God um, want you to remarry? He might. Does God have a plan for you later? Does God have a post-divorce agenda for you? Does He want you healed? Does He want you better? Effective, efficient, loving, merciful, sacrificing, serving? Absolutely. You know what I found? Some of the best people at all those things? Divorced people. Why is that? Because they know what it's like. They know what it's like to hurt. They, they know what it's like to have a piece missing. And I love them because I've had many times where I thought I had a piece missing because of divorce. Right? We got to move on. We got to let it be so. We got to enjoy it. What? Enjoy divorce? Yes. Praise God, I got two sisters from divorce. That's the way I like to think about it. My parents take a divorce. I wouldn't have two sisters. There's a blessing in there. Is that as weird as it gets and convoluted? Absolutely. Do I wish my parents stayed together? Yeah. Do I wish I had my two sisters? Yes. Do I wish that I had my ex-stepmom? How's that work? I don't know. I don't know. Diane. I wouldn't have Diane. Diane's great. She's now part of our family. There's blessings. Find the blessings in it. Rather than worrying about if you're divorced or if they're divorced or blah, 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 or any of that stuff. Move on. Move on. And then ask yourself a question. Will you be faithless? This whole section of Malachi 2, I want to read the whole thing. And there's, there's this concept of faithlessness that comes out of it. We're, we're going to be quick and we're going to be done. All right? Give us that um, whole section 13 through, yeah, here we go. Uh, <clears throat> and this th- second thing you do, you cover the Lord's altar with tears, with weeping and groaning because He no longer regards the offering or accepts it with favor from your hand. What? 
You're all upset because you think God's not listening to you. And you're right, He's not listening to you. You're weeping on the altar because He's ignoring you. And He's saying, yes, I am. Why? You say, well, why does He not? Why does He not listen or accept me or hear me? Why does He not listen to me? Because the Lord was witness between you and the wife of your youth to whom you have been faithless. You were faithless to your spouse. And so God says, yeah, I'm not listening to you no more. How rough is that, right? We, we, we have whole books of the Bible like Psalms, Proverbs. You can call out to the Lord. He will answer my play. Yea, though I walk through the valley of Shadi, He will be with me. His rod and His staff, they're going to come for me. Yeah, no matter what I go through, God will be with me. Unless you treat your spouse bad. Then He's like, I'm out. <laughs> I love that. Because it accentuates the value of your spouse and where we should be. I, I, I witnessed what you did to the wife of you, to whom you have been faithless, though she is your companion and your wife by, every, this is one of those times that I make everybody say it together, by covenant. I want that to be our new favorite word when we think about marriage. It's not a deal, it's not an agreement, it's not an oath, it's not a promise. It's covenant. It's a heavier word than anything we use in English. Right? We got verse uh, 15. Uh, Did he not make them one with a portion of the Spirit in their union? Yeah, when you get married, God's in it. And what was the one, and what was the one God seeking? God the offspring? So guard yourselves in your spirit and let none of you be faithless to the wife of your youth. There's that word again. For the man who does not love his wife but divorces her, says the Lord, the God of Israel, covers his garment with violence, says the Lord of hosts. You, evil and violence are coming for you. When you are treacherous to your spouse, it, it says violence is coming for you. No, I, I tend to take the things that God says to me very, very seriously and, and literally, right? I, I don't know what I want to do with that one. I want to, let's just not go there at all, right? Let's just stay married, huh? Honey, what do you say? <laughs> right? let's, let's. So guard yourselves in your spirit. That's the how-to. In your spirit, that's how you guard yourselves. Right? And do we have 17? One more? Yeah. And do not be faithless. You have wearied the Lord with your words, but you say, how have we wearied Him? By saying, everyone who does evil is good in the sight of the Lord. No, there are some things that are wrong. You ask any divorced person, what will they say? They'll say divorce is wrong. They know it. But yet life happens and damage is done and there might be abuse or whatever or in marital unfaithfulness or whatever and in immorality or, and it, you know, it's just over. Some of you are in marriages that are over and you're beating each other up. Stop beating each other up. Learn to love the other person. Pray for the other person. I don't, who knows? Maybe you'll reconcile and get better. But we got to stop doing all that. or Because uh, here's the other way. Uh, we, we, we ask, where is the God of justice? We ask for where is the God of justice when we're being unjust. That's when God gets really angry. But here's the, here's the key word that I want us to see in this whole story. He, he keeps saying, stop being faithless. And, and that word has, has stuck in my head all week. And it hurts. I, because I had, this, I had this revelation. Be faithful 
Be full of faith. We say, hey, are you being faithful to your wife? What, what, what does that mean? Well, are you having sex with other people or are you just staying faithful to your wife? Yes, that's kind of how we use it functionally now. But like, if you just get into entomology of the word, to be full of faith towards your wife, you have faith that what? That it'll work out, that she's the right one, that he's the right one, you know, for you ladies. That no matter what's going on, I will fill myself with faith moving forward, that God is a provider and he will provide, that there is hope that will go all the way no matter what's going on. And then you make that decision and then we never look back on it. No matter what. I watched my parents get divorced. One of them more than once. I watched my brother get divorced. I've watched other people in my family get divorced. And I have seen the dark side. And as I was going through that as a little boy, I remember being a little boy, nobody around, and thinking to myself, I will never do that. And being angry and being broken and sad, uh, crying by myself. I will never do divorce. Can you feel the anger and the energy? <laughs> I just, there's, I don't know, I, I, don't, I, there, I, can, I can turn like in a second, right? Um, and when Julie and I started dating, I was like, ooh, check it out, whoa. Oh, it was a couple years, right? And it, and it got, it got, like, it got started getting serious, right? And, and she hadn't left yet. And she keeps hanging around. I'm like, gosh, I might have a shot here, right? And we start getting into those discussions. I, I thought to myself, I'm, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pull her aside. And I got I to gotta say it out loud. Before we get married, before I propose, I got to at least say it out loud, no matter what, if we're doing this, there, we are never getting divorced, no matter what. I got to tell her that. So I'm, I'm pulling up all the energy for this, right? I'm, I'm, I'm getting it stoked up. I'm going to go tell her, right? She pulls me aside. Hey, if we're doing this, we're not ever getting divorced. <laughs> Wait a minute. I was supposed to say that. No, that's when I knew. Uh, so I got, a, I got a list of like 50 reasons why I knew and know that she's the right one. Towards the top of that list, buddy. Towards the top of that list. We ain't doing divorce, all right? Plus, my family and my extended family, we've hit our quota on divorces, so I don't think legally. Is there a limit to how much? No, maybe. I, I joke um, because I have survived because God is bigger than divorce. Divorce might feel too big for some of you. Or for some of you might feel like, gosh, I barely made it through. Praise God, amen, come here, you get a free hug, okay? But always know this. Divorce needs to be just a bump in the road. That's the road. That one right there. Decorated or not, what happened on the cross, that was the conquering of death. Oh yeah, so there you go. Right? Can you see all oh, the oh, oh, right? Um, when Jesus conquered death, divorce became death's snobby little brother. 
You ever been around the snobby little brother? Like throws things at you, comes up, smacks you, then runs away. Always interrupting your conversations. You're trying to talk on the phone. They smack the phone. They pinch you in the back of the arm. Then they run away. Doing all that. You know, they're annoying, but they can't really do anything to you. That's really what divorce is. That's the big brother that you really got to watch out for. If you start messing around with divorce, big brother's coming for you. There's only one thing that can save you from either one. <laughs> Family analogy. I know Heitzman's yelling Jesus at the... Right, but it's an analogy. Little brother, big brother, dad. Dad's the only one that can save you. In that analogy. Be saved. Be divorced. Let it be so. Come back to the Lord. Pursue Him in all your ways, no matter what. We'll help you. And get over yourselves. Because I need to go to some more receptions. No lie. I want to go to some wedding receptions. I love wedding receptions. I met a pastor in Arkansas. He's like, I hate weddings. What's wrong with you? Ah, you got to do the same thing every time. Then you sit around at a party. And I'm like, my middle name's party. What do you mean? Wow, this is not fun. People are making a decision for their whole life. You've got to stand there and be part of this covenant, and you don't want to do it because it took three hours out of your day? Sign me up, okay? And here's what I want. You can serve whatever you want at the reception or serve nothing. I don't care. I want to be there, and here's what I want. I want the married dance. You know that? Oh, hey, all you married couples, everybody come out on the floor. We're all going to dance, right? And, okay, if you've been married less than one year, sit down, right? If you've been married less than two years, sit down. Oh, all, these, all these youngsters, I love it when the youngsters get oppressed. <laughs> um, five years, ten years. I was, I was at a wedding. It was a few years back. It was down in San Diego. It was actually Jason, right? I'm not the chance here. She's social distancing. I was just figurative. Um, oh, yes, Jason's wedding. We're at the reception. They do this wedding dance. And they're like 10 years, 15 years. People are sitting down in droves. Me? I'm lost in the moment because I'm with my girlfriend, right? Just having a beautiful music. Julie and I are having this great old time. And then for one, for one second, I kind of looked around and it was like, there's nobody here, hon. She's like, what do you mean? I said, there's, there's two other couples. They're in like their 70s or 80s. We got, we got to the part where it says, if you've been married less than 20 years, sit down. There were two really old couples and Julie and I. I know some of you, oh, that means there were three really old couples. <laughs> Beat you to your own joke. Um, I want to be at receptions and I want that dance full. I want that dance full. I want to see what society looks like when that dance is full. I want to see what a church is like. I want to see what your family's like when you get married, stay married, and be married longer than most people. Let him who boasts boast in this, that he knows and understands me, says the Lord. How's that happen? You do what he says. Be married. Pursue it best you can. When divorce happens, I want you to do this. I want you to do this. I'm glad that's over. Let's move on. 
and recover and heal. Get around people that will support you. Amen? Lord, we need help. A lot of ways. And we thank you that uh, that's your business. That's your agenda. <laughs> so grateful that you will never leave me. That no matter what families do, you'll never leave them. Thank you for that example. And then thank you for calling your relationship with us a covenant. The same thing you call a marriage. Thank you for the agenda that that sets. Give us stamina. Give us patience. Give us tolerance. Give us hearts back again. Feeling and emotion for the other person. Compassion, empathy. And make us hard workers on all of our relationships. And especially our spouses. Pray this in your son Jesus' name.